Welcome to Two Therapists Talking. The hope for this podcast is to talk about important issues related to couples and individuals who are struggling in their lives with many different issues. I'm David Thompson, a marriage and family therapist. And I'm Sherry Christensen, marriage and family therapist. Please join us as we explore these issues together, and we hope you will learn and be enlightened along the way. Come find us at twotherapisttalking.com. If you like what you're hearing, please get on and rate us and subscribe to the podcast. Hi, and welcome back to Two Therapists Talking. I'm David. And I'm Sherry. And we want to talk about something today that is really important to me. And I've been thinking for a while about what to talk about. Mm -hmm. I have so many different things I try to figure out in order of importance, but it's kind of how my brain works, I think. Yeah. (laughs) But I I landed on something that I've been thinking a lot about, and I really want to talk about it and share. And it is love. And that may seem obvious, like, well, of course, we need to love, and that's an important part of this process. But I've learned that for many of us, we're not very good at it. And so we have an acronym here, and it's not an acronym we invented, but it's a really (laughs) helpful. And you may have heard this acronym, but it's a way for us to conceptualize approaching ourselves, others, spouses, family really everyone. And you'll want to write this down because it's a really good one. But the acronym is COAL, C-O-A-L, just like the stuff you burn. And we're going to talk about what that stands for. I'm trying to figure out the connection. Like, how does that? (laughs) COAL. Maybe it fuels love. (laughs) Yes. I don't know. (laughs) It warms you up. (laughs) Yes. The flame of relationship, whether that's with yourself or someone else. Okay, go ahead. You're going to remember it now. Cool. Yes, cool. So it stands for curious, open, accepting, and loving kindness or just being loving. Yeah. And it means an approach to yourself and to others and to life. I especially like the curious part because when I'm talking yes. to clients who get angry or get frustrated, we all do yeah, get angry and frustrated. Clients, right? And I promise you, I'm saying this in my head a lot of times as well when I'm angry and frustrated, <laughs> but I'll tell clients instead of getting angry, yeah. really try to get curious, Yeah. try to back off, get a different perspective and kind of become like an investigative journalist where if I'm really upset or they're really upset, there's a misunderstanding. Something going on. Something's off. Mm -hmm. But it's not because they're trying to hurt me or I'm trying to hurt them. We don't have these, these cruel intentions. We're just missing something. Yeah. Yeah. So get curious. Don't get angry. And again, there's always exceptions to just about every rule. Right. Sometimes anger is a necessary emotion and it motivates us to do some important things. So it's not that getting angry is bad. If we're expressing. Just stop. Like, don't be angry. Don't ever be angry. No. You have to like pull back from that. It's more a interesting. What am I learning from this anger? What what is my emotion trying to teach me? Our, um, Our emotions, our feelings are always. They're giving us feedback on what's going on for ourselves in relation to the world around us and the people around us. 
So if you're feeling something, take that step back, take a couple of deep breaths, right? And get curious about what's going on for me. Why am I upset? Why am I angry? Do I need to set a healthy boundary? Do I need to, you know, connect a little bit more, understand what's going on with the other person a little bit Mm -hmm. more? Do I need to get a better handle on what's occurring for them or me or, you know, yeah, just get curious about your feelings, not be angry. You just get curious about what's going on in that anger space. And the other cool thing about that is you start doing that. You deep, you deep breathe, take a couple deep breaths, start to get curious. And what you're doing is you're pulling yourself out of your amygdala, your middle, you're pulling yourself right out of that and putting yourself back in your prefrontal cortex Right. Thinking about processing through what's going on. You know, that place that you've been practicing with meditation and mindfulness is part of your dailies from the last episode. Yep. That's what you're doing. And so that's automatically going to be some of that diffusing place. And of course, we've talked about all that in, in empathy skills as well. Get that getting curious about the other person's emotions and what's going on for them. Right. Yeah, I like that a lot. And I'll, I'll talk often about anger is an umbrella. It covers other emotions often. Emotions like hurt, emotions like sad. Anger mm-hmm. feels in control, and so we sort of prefer it. It's not as vulnerable, certainly. And we're going to definitely talk in a few minutes about that control space where we need to create emotional safety for ourselves, connection. You know, we need to feel like we have, that we're safe. And so anger comes out a lot as a way to try to protect us yep. from what's, you know, what's going on. Hopefully, we, we haven't followed up a lot on this from the first session, but this idea of you are a human being whose worth is mm-hmm. 100%. You're also a human doing, and that's more or less effective. And our quality of life comes from that human doing part of us. But our worth and our value does not And Mm -hmm. so either way you're safe, you know, sometimes if we're really quick to anger or worse yet, maybe we escalate to rage and we're just, we can't be reasoned with. One really good thing we have to keep in mind is that these are unexpressed emotions that are coming together as anger, but there's a lot of vulnerability and sad and hurt underneath. Yes. And a lot of it comes back to shame where I feel like a failure or not good enough in some way. And if we can approach this with, I have nothing to lose, I have nothing to fear. My worth, my value is not on the line. It allows us to be more curious because whatever they're doing, they can't really take what matters most from me. They can be really mad at me. They can be calling me names. They can be really Mm -hmm. upset. They still can't lower my worth or value. Yeah. And that helps us hopefully to be more curious and approach it differently. So if they're angry or I'm angry... There's a misunderstanding. It's not simply, you know, something's wrong and everybody's got to be in a panic or get upset or or approach this and and move against each other. No, no. Let's try to get curious and interested in what this could be. It's almost like a puzzle to solve. Mm -hmm. Think of it that way. And it's. And when you have the information, when you're going into that space of like curiosity and really finding the understanding whether that's a misunderstanding between the two of you or a misunderstanding internally about what you need and, you know, what spaces of safety you need to create for yourself, whatever that is, 
when you understand and you're going through that process, it diffuses the anger. The anger is again, all feelings are information. And when you have taken that and you understand what's going on, it's just not needed anymore. Right. What they need is understanding. Mm -hmm. You know, John Gottman talks about bids for connection and how anger is a bid for connection. Yes. It's just a less effective less one. Less effective. <laughs> we don't get being angry. If if we were instead underneath that anger umbrella, if we could express the hurt mm-hmm. or the sad, we're going to get connection a lot sooner yeah. and, and a lot better. And we're more authentic to ourselves and our experience. Right. right? We we're get being more down. honest. We're being more real. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so what you've just done in that space, anytime you get more authentic or honest with yourself, you are more connected to yourself. So even if the bid for connection with someone else moves to that gentler, more underneath the pain, the hurt, all of that, even if the other person isn't able to connect with you on that space, what you've just done is gotten more connected and authentic and honest with yourself. And then, you know, when I remember the affirmations that we talked about last time that, you know, it's, I'm responsible for my happiness. Right. And so as we are more connected to ourselves, we're more able to connect with other people. And if that person just isn't in a space, whether they can't calm down in that moment or whether they're just not capable of meeting you in that space, you have the ability then because you understand really what's going on for you. You are deeply connected to yourself because of that authentic space you're living in. You can determine what it is that you need. Where do I go with, with that, for that? I can reach out to my friend. I can, you know, go play with my dog. I can go hug a kid, one of my kids, you know, have a cuddle time with them or something where then you can meet that need. And of course here, we're going to be talking a lot about how to do that with someone else. But I think it's important to recognize too, that internal space of being authentic and connected to yourself through this process. So it's like David said, it's never, there's never a loss here. Yeah. You'll never regret it. Yeah. It's never, ever wasted time. You see how this is about love. You mm-hmm. are more loving towards yourself. And more this capable is of love with others. This is the whole, you know, it's, it's really interesting. We talk a lot in addiction recovery about you have to hit a rock bottom often before you break through denial and start to do some real work. Mm-hmm. Well, it's sort of like everybody has to accept that they are not who they thought they were in some pretty important ways. Mm-hmm. And one of those biggest ways is I'm not as loving as I thought I was. We put all this time into other stuff, but not into learning to be more loving. Yes. And often we don't even think, is that like a skill I can get better at? Yeah. Like, do I practice <laughs> being loving? Don't I? <laughs> if I love someone, am I not just loving? Because I love them. So I must naturally be good at loving them. No, those are two different things. Yeah, that happens all the time, right? And we're just sort of taught that culturally. So it's not something that like, oh, wow, if you think that you're some odd person. We're really taught (laughs) in our culture that, I mean, we're really taught in our culture that love comes straight from lust anyway, right? So it's just, you know, you're out there and it's this light bulb and ding, now I'm this great, amazing, loving person in this relationship. Why would I be good at that, right? Especially considering a lot of the histories we have growing up. Right. Where we didn't maybe have a lot of examples of real love. Why would we Mm -hmm. be good at that? Yeah. So I want you to consider, I want you to think about 
maybe you're not as loving as you think you are. And I yeah. hope that this episode and maybe the next one will help you to reconsider that. Yeah. And not from a standpoint where you're in trouble or you're a bad person or, or you're doing it wrong <laughs> at all. Remember, human being whose worth is 100%, that's who you are. But from a different angle where I can learn to be more effective and I will connect better, mm-hmm. my relationships will improve, this will only benefit me. It's just a new skill. It's just a new skill. And I, you know, I like what, what David is saying, like, how would you know how to do that? Even when you're coming from a very loving background, right? you know, even just last night, I was talking, you know, with one of my clients about this is coming from, right. We all come and we're all born in these little families. Whenever, where did we come from? We came from a space of God is love, right? That's where we came from. This completely unconditional space of love. And now we're in this little family with, even if you have the most loving, wonderful parents with the best intentions, they aren't going to be perfect. Right. They aren't going to be able to meet that a hundred percent of the time. They didn't learn how to, you know, there's no manual for and, and how even to if love. They're, even right? if they're amazing, yeah. you come home from school after mm-hmm. a rough day, maybe you were bullied, felt rejected, left mm-hmm. out. And mom and dad are busy. They have no idea where you're at or how you're feeling. They don't sit you down and say, will you share how you're really feeling deeply with us? We really want to know. Every second, right? They're they're doing their thing. And so you go up to your room by yourself and you're just sad and you feel unimportant. You feel unloved and they do love you. They're just, I know. Yeah. And so often, you know, especially at that age, right? Especially those very young ages, in your developmental space, you are like, they're an extension of you, right? They don't really exist on their own outside of you is, is where you are at those very young ages. And so you don't understand that they have that, you know, that they're a separate being that they don't automatically know every thought and feeling or whatever it is that you're experiencing. And so, you know, that occurs as well. You know, they're not available 24 seven. They don't understand everything that's going on for you. So we just, we all have these separate separations, right? From, from love. We all have these ways in which someone has failed us, even if they don't even know. Right. And so. And not intentionally. They just. Yeah. It's just, it's life. It's that experience of relationship with people who can't read your every thought and who aren't mm-hmm. perfect. So of course, of course you're going to have these experiences with imperfect people, with not understanding how to do this right, with trying to get your needs met, with you know, we'll go into what happens when you don't know how to love correctly, what that ends up looking like, but you're not right. going to know how to do this. Right. So go easy on yourself. I mean, this is the whole point, right? The cold approach is to have a loving approach. Right. So that's the C curious part is to try to be more curious, kind of take it as a fun challenge, take it personally. I'm going to try to figure this out. O is open. And this is similar to the curious where you are open to considering everything that's going on. It's, it's the opposite of being closed. And so (laughs) Captain Obvious here. Yes. Actually, you know, sometimes we don't think about that. <laughs> we we, we kind of need to. A mm-hmm. lot of people are very closed off about a lot of things. I, yeah. I really, I should not put people in the categories. I do sometimes. 
at David. probably my biggest category, I shouldn't, <laughs> I know, is if you're open-minded or closed-minded. That means mm-hmm. a lot to me. But of course, right, if I'm a therapist and you're in my office and you're closed-minded, I'm going to say I, I like open-minded better. But be open to everything that's going on. Be open to, and this follows the curiosity, be open to the circumstances, the situation, how you're feeling, how they're feeling, that they have their own perspective. You're not closed off to what their perspective is. It it may not be reality, but it's still their perspective, and those feelings they have are still valid. And if you really understand them, like I always say, they'll make sense. right? Right. And having that open... Right. Think about someone that you could describe as being very open-minded. Sometimes we think, oh, if I'm open-minded, that means I have no values or morals or, you know, structure. I'm just, oh, anything goes, right? And that that isn't true, right? It's a space of being able to understand and curious again about what's going on for other people and how they could have come to the conclusions, right. feelings, emotions that that they have and that they could make sense and that how they got there could make sense. Right. I always think of like Kung Fu movies where <laughs> their cup is full and so they can't pour any more in. And you don't want your cup to be full as the best you can. Try to have some space in your cup so that there's room to learn and to be open to whatever's going on. The next one is accepting, the A. Ooh, acceptance, one of my all-time favorite words, by the way. (laughs) Yes, it's accepting reality. Accepting what is. Mm -hmm. Not being resistant or rejecting or refusing. Mm -hmm. Acceptance is such a great, this concept of don't be the rock, be water. Go with what is. Don't resist. Yeah, yeah. And I love one of my favorite quotes from a woman named Byron Katie. She says, when I argue with reality, I lose, (laughs) but only 100% of the time. (laughs) And I use that all the time. And I think about that all the time because it's true. When we can't get in that place of acceptance, we're pushing, we're smashing our head against the wall of reality this is this is what is and we can either spend our energy fighting it or like that water we can flow and find new paths find ways of um, adjusting to what is and Mm. bringing ourselves um, into a better grounded centered space one of my favorite quotes so here we go we're all all kinds of quotes from the 12 step literature comes from the big book what the essence of it is acceptance is the answer to all my problems today is mm. the first line and when we can't accept life on life's terms we can never progress we can't move forward we can't really understand like the serenity prayer mhm right yep and for those of you who don't know that, that's God grant me the serenity. the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Right. I, I love the definition of acceptance. If you look it up, it's consent to receive. And you think about mm-hmm. you're going to be receiving, so consent. Don't reject. Mm-hmm. Don't refuse. Don't make this a hard process. 
consent to receive, open up. You see, curious, open, accepting, it's all interwoven. They're, they're very similar and they're yeah. all very loving. Yeah. And you can feel the difference, right? That openness, that curiousness, it's opening space. There's just accepting, you're consenting to receive, you're... It's just this concept in my my head. You can't see my arms. They're just making these wide open <laughs> circles. It's it's opening yourself up to more capacity. And that is what leads us to loving. If you have done all of these other three steps, you are opening yourself up to a greater capacity then to love. And it feels very different, doesn't it? Yeah. You that know, openness there's openness in your heart. There's really only two great emotions. There's love and fear. And they feel very, very different. And sometimes mm -hmm. we say, well, I don't know how to trust my feelings. I don't know what I should do. Well, does it feel more like love or does it feel more like fear? And you think of how many decisions we make that are fear-based. Well, how come you did that? Well, I was afraid that in, yes. in my experience, fear-based decisions are not very good. Yes. They're you just don't want not. to be making decisions from a space of fear. They're not very effective. They feel very different too. Yeah. You can tell. And, and a lot of the other things we talk about fit into that. So, you know, one of the things I talk a ton with my clients about is that grounded, centered space. But if you take it from this approach, what you're saying is you're getting more, you're becoming more loving toward yourself, right? right. You're opening space for you to live within your own body, to live in reality, to accept all of that. And that's... So all of these things you can really tie in, which is why David likes this concept so much, because you can pull all of these things into this concept of, of love. And really, I mean this genuinely, don't feel bad if after really thinking on this, you discover that you have not in fact been as loving as you thought you were. I, th I believe that that is our task. I believe mm -hmm. that's our purpose in life is to learn to love. Yeah. And more than anything else we do is to learn to love. And we're really good at, I mean, there's all kinds of false <laughs> ideas of what that is out there. And right. so we're all in that space. And, you know, I think each of us, you know, I certainly think about it. Okay. Today, like, okay, what do I, where are my misconceptions still? What do I not understand? How did I blow it today? Right. In this space of loving. So it's, it's not like we're you know, oh, we're perfect examples of this, you know? No, no. <laughs> I make that joke all the time. Ask you anybody. think I'm really good at the sessions, but. Yes. You know, we go hard. home and, you know, I feel frustrated with a kid that's having a meltdown. <laughs> and then I have to think, wait a minute, what's going on for them? You know, stop making this about me. Like, oh, you're not doing what I want. You have to, you know, finish your chores and your homework. And uh, it's like, nope, come back to myself. What's going on for you? What's going for you? Get down on their level, look in their eyes and talk to them. I love it. I love this idea. And this idea of not allowing whatever problem needs to be solved, becoming yes. more important than the person to be loved. And I really am at a point now in my life where I go to bed and I think, okay, was I more loving than I was anything else today? Mm. I think there's a place for, you know, for being critical in, in a positive way, giving feedback, providing input. My children are in school, you know, grades, chores, all these things. Right. But there's a way to do that that is more loving than not. And yes. this is really important to me because I've struggled with it. 
to at the end of the day say, have I been more loving than I've been anything else? Yeah. If, if I die and people just remember feeling good around me, even if they can't put their finger on it, there was something about what I said or my energy or what I did. I don't know where they just felt better. They mm-hmm. felt important. I would be so happy with that. I'd be like this tremendous success. Yes. That's all I want to be, but I struggle with it. And so this is not, hey, you need to be more loving. I've, <laughs> I've arrived. This, and so let me, this is from sad experience. This is from my own personal pain and suffering that yes. I really believe the more I learn how to love, really love, the better my life gets, the stronger my connections, the better my relationships. Mm-hmm. And so we are, we are the same in this. I've seen how this applies to everything, and I've just been thinking a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's same. Yeah, same here. Just looking at looking at life, looking at okay, where am I at? What's going on? How am I interacting with the people around me? In that open, accepting loving way and see where, where do I need to make those improvements and in myself, you know, a lot of times we give up our own self love in order to try to get that from someone else or give that to someone else. And so it's, it's such a balance. Again, there's, you know, my, one of my favorite phrases, you know, healthy living is balanced living. And so where are you in your own space and how loving are you to yourself? You know, this a couple of times a week, I having, having fun doing things, you know, getting to bed really late, really late, like two in the morning late. <laughs> and, you know, then I have to come back the next day and think, okay, you know, am I being loving to myself in the ways that I need? You know, once, once in a while, that's fine. But if, that's piling up, you know, what do I need to do to be more loving to myself? So it's just, it's such a balance and we are going to fall all over the place we trying will. to find that balance. And, and we have to take this cold approach to ourselves first. So in this process of improvement or becoming our highest and best selves, I like to call it basically you 2.0. So David 2.0, Sherry Mm 2.0. In this process of becoming, we have to first apply this cold approach to us because we see our faults and flaws and weaknesses and imperfections more than anybody. Mm -hmm. And we are the hardest person for us to love. Isn't that sad? We spend so much of our life being our own worst enemy when we Mm -hmm. need a best friend. Yeah. And so this cold approach, take it to you first, complete, complete. It's like I'm pleading, complete acceptance without judgment. Only, only love you. Go easy on you. You understand all the hard things you've been through better than anybody except Mm -hmm. for God. Right. And we know how he feels about you. And so we want to have that same approach. And so we'll talk a little bit more. And so this is a good topic and a good concept that we want to continue with. So come next time, next, ready to learn a little episode. more about love. But when I when I say we need to be better at loving, we're going to talk a little bit about what that means. And in light of a recovery process. And so let's say that I am the person in addiction. How have I not been showing up in loving ways for my partner? Mm-hmm. And if I am the betrayed partner, 
how have I not been showing up in loving ways for my addicted partner? Yeah. And it's maybe a little eye opening. Yeah. This idea that, well, I will be more loving to you when you deserve it or when you earn it. It's crazy. That's not love. That's transactional. But we yes. just sort of assume, no, I'm, I'm doing the best thing because I'm doing it. And yes. so it's, it's going to force you to look at love a little bit differently, I hope. But yeah. again, in a good way and only with a loving approach towards yourself. Not shame. Not look at how I've messed up. No, no, no. Mm-hmm. We're trying to avoid that. Yeah. Yeah. Be, be loving toward yourself as you're learning how to love yourself better. Yes. <laughs> and, and those around you. We need to. Absolutely. All right. So Cole, remember those curious, open, accepting, and loving as you're interacting with yourself and those around you and come back next time. And we will talk in more detail about what loving looks like because we've just spent a whole, yes, whole time telling you we all need to be more loving so we better, you know, give you some ideas of what that looks like and, and how to apply that in your life. Thanks for joining us. Yeah. We'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to Two Therapists Talking. We look forward to sharing more conversations with you. Connect with us at twotherapisttalking.com or email podcast at twotherapisttalking.com. If you like what you're hearing, please get on and rate us and subscribe to the podcast.